1: Pride of Detroit podcast woo is WrestleMania. That's the only re- wrestling reference you're going to get. We've kind of excised most of them, but guess what? I'm going to give you some Rick Flair woo to start this cuz it's draft season. It's draft season for the Detroit Lions on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Yes, the dog next door is barking too. Uh prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook live as we speak. On Twitch and YouTube, but still download the podcast from iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitch, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And that dog is really annoying me. It's very unprofessional. I I love living in a in a small apartment. We're, just we're, like not,
2: a, we're not on Yard Barker yet, but I think mm-hmm. the dog wants it.
1: That's he's he's asking for it, Jeremy. He's asking <laughs> to be on Yard Barker. We need to expand this empire. The most reviewed Pride to Detroit. The, the most reviewed Lions podcast out there is the Pride to Detroit POD cast. Yes. Thank you. I hate that dog so much. It's, it's, it, he doesn't stop like at all hours of. The, of I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host at Christopher Fett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, being surrounded by a barking dog and taking care of a sick cat. And that man, that other voice you hear is the fearless mustache, Jeremy Reisman, editor in chief of. Pride of Detroit joining me. Hello, Jeremy. How are you doing, Chris? Very tired. Working, uh, working triple time, as it were. And the third man, because we're not done with the wrestling to the wrestling themes. The third man is Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore pod. Ryan, what's up, buddy?
3: I am the barking dog.
2: <clears throat>
1: you are the, the dog barking dog. Dogs?
3: Yes, <laughs> you are the dog that barks. I am the dog that barks.
2: Is is that a mix between Breaking Bad and Fight Club? It's everything you want it to be.
3: Oh, my God.
1: it's we're we're, we're starting in a really odd place, Uh, which is how, you know, it's draft season here. We finally I was gone last week and I saw Jeremy was doing free agency talk. He was clawing, clinging to free agencies like, please, I don't want to talk about the draft, please. And as soon as I saw that, I came right back, grabbed him and just yanked his feet right off the ledge. It's like, no, it's
2: draft season. Let's talk more draft, Jeremy. Fine. I will quit. The, the kicking and screaming and commence the pouting barking. over. You'll yeah, that's the barking.
1: barking oh, the barking. Let's go with that. <laughs> the barking over the draft. Uh, so on the show today, we have three trade scenarios for you. And I feel like also we need to expand our horizons a little bit. We've been doing these mock drafts. We've been having fun with the community, but we've also talked a lot of names at 7, but we've also there's been a lot of rising names, right? Like this is the time of year where all sorts of names rise and all of a sudden you have a lot of different names. So what we're going to do on this podcast is first off, we're going to talk about some names we probably haven't so far, and then we're going to start doing some trade some like scenarios we could see happening in the draft. And what I mean by that is we're going to talk a little bit, just a little bit more on standing pad at seven. I feel like we've talked a lot of seven, but again, the new names are going to change things. And then we're going to talk about trading down into kind of the mid to early teens and then talking about if the Lions then trade down to like the back third of the draft. So we've got a lot of different scenarios and all are on the table, Jeremy. All are on the table. Like we've talked enough about, you know, the kind of power the seventh pick carries to be kind of the linchpin on, you know, if Justin Fields is still there for a team that really wants him, or you get your pick of the litter of whoever's still there, of Pitts, Chase, Sewell. Like there's there's a lot of options at seven that can make it tempting for trades.
2: Yeah, and, and in fact, there, there are so many different scenarios that can play out on Draft night that I don't know how to prepare for it. Uh, me, me and Eric Schlitt were talking about it today, in, in terms of just trying to get ready for the draft, and a lot of times what you'll see is, is writers pre-write. They'll pre-write who they think is going to get drafted by the team. And then Eric and I were just starting to write out some candidates just to see how, how many would have to do, how many we would have to do. And not even factoring in any trades, our list was at nine. Of, of realistic guys that could be there at seven that the Lions could take. And it's kind of just a, a reaction for how many different things can happen in front of them, how many needs this team currently has, and how much talent there really is in the top 10 that that I think would be worthy of that seventh overall pick. So, um, you know, the, it, it's it's kind of unprecedented. I, I, maybe not unprecedented, but it's it's a unique year for, for Lions fans for having a top 10 pick yet having so many different scenarios that can play out that I think are all quite realistic.
1: Yeah. It's Ryan, like, man, it's some, it's some crazy stuff looking at this draft. Like we're already talking about a historic draft where people are saying it could go one, two, three, four quarterbacks. Um, There's only been one time where it's been one, two, three for quarterbacks. That was 99 with uh, Tim couch, Donovan McNabb and uh, Akili Smith. And I think that just throws it throws so many of the pieces into the mix. And I think there's like five at least five quarterbacks that people are hungry for at the start of this draft. So it just yeah, as Jeremy said, the possibilities are open up uh, all over the place.
3: Yeah, and I think it really hinges on <clears throat> what the Atlanta Falcons decide to do, because for as many options as the Lions have at seven, the Atlanta Falcons have an infinite amount of possibilities in front of them. They can go quarterback because they're in a pretty similar situation to to where the Lions were pre-trade with Jared Goff. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like Matt Ryan's nearing the end of his career. They could go quarterback. They could add another skill position player really easily. Kyle Pitts would be a huge fit. An offensive tackle would be a huge fit. The, The Falcons have tons of needs. They're just like the Lions. So it really seems like the draft starts at four. And then all of a sudden, then we can be informed of what might happen with the Lions at seven, depending on what Atlanta does at four. But it's um it it's interesting. I I I I I I venture to guess that this draft class of quarterbacks will live up to the hype a little bit better than 99's class.
1: Yeah, just a hunch. I
3: I, you know what I wonder about that because I I think
1: there's so many questions about what exactly Zach Wilson is. That I'm not as locked in as him being the number two quarterback as maybe other people are, and we could still see the Jets swerve because they're the Jets. Um, so I, I mean, might even be better for them. I, I just I have no clue when it comes to Zach Wilson. I have no clue when it comes to Mac Jones or Justin Fields. They're both guys with them um, or Trey Lance for that matter. There's so many questions around those quarterbacks that it um, leaves a lot of a lot to be desired. Now we we here at Pride Detroit have talked about. You know, maybe Justin Fields at seven, but I guess before we get into the scenarios um, and some of the new names, maybe we should talk about the one scenario
2: we should—we're not going to talk too much on—which is there's no chance the Lions trade up, right? Personally, I don't think so. I don't think the Lions are in a place to be spending draft capital to to do that. Um, we we keep talking about amassing all these draft picks to restart a rebuild. Um, I think a real poor way to kick that off would be to trade up, unless unless they are sold on a quarterback and they want to kick off the rebuild that way. But I think everything that we've seen and heard from this front office and, and what they've done with Jared Goff and, you know, the, the restructure and all that thing, it, it really points to me that quarterback isn't necessarily going to be a priority in this draft unless one falls them to seven. I don't see them getting aggressive to get a quarterback this year. And if that's the case, I don't think there's anyone personally that's such a unique talent that they have to trade up to get.
3: Yeah, the the one thing I want to ask you, Jeremy, is don't you think it would run contradictory to itself if the Lions? They obviously did the trade to move Stafford to get Jared Goff and additional draft capital. Wouldn't it have made much more sense to accept like a Carolina offer if they were that interested in getting a quarterback this year and potentially moving up and kind of accelerating the rebuild in terms of, you know, getting a new franchise quarterback? It seems like those trades lend themselves better to picking a quarterback in this draft. 100%.
2: 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's it's less of an investment at the quarterback position now so that you could invest in it later. It, instead, the Lions chose to go Jared Goff, which is a significant investment now and next year. And, you know, you, you don't get as high of a draft pick in return in terms of eight versus or nine versus, you know, two first rounds and, and a third or, you know, whatever. You can do the math on that. But but yeah, I think you're right. I think if the Lions were that dead set on getting a quarterback, maybe getting more of one that's a clear bridge in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, no pun intended, um, rather than Jared Goff, who I think is a guy that they think has more than starting potential.
1: Yeah, I I i, I don't I don't really see it unless like, again, with, with so many quarterbacks on the boards, too, you could see one if it's the right one falling to you at seven as well. So. But I agree that it kind of goes against the strategy right now. Um, there's some new names. I don't, th- I don't think we've... Have we talked at all about Rashawn Slater on this pod? We've only talked Sewell when it comes to linemen. But I've seen... I know SB Nation just put out their mock um, a couple days ago where Slater is the Detroit Lions pick. And it's a mock draft, sure. But I don't think a lot of Lions fans were looking at that. But I again, I think, Jeremy, it opens up the idea. There's more... Than just the few names we've we've harped in on on Pitts Chase Sewell,
2: yeah. And I think this is a, a pretty realistic scenario. And in, in fact, Good Morning Football did like a speed mock, like a speed chess kind of thing. And mm-hmm. Rashawn Slater was a Lions pick. And I think the reason the board fell like that is, is because a very re- realistic scenario. You have your three quarterbacks go in those first three picks. Then you have the Falcons take Kyle Pitts, certainly a realistic thing. You have the Bengals then take Penne Sewell. Got to protect your quarterback. Um, and and a guy who got injured last year. And then the Dolphins take Jamar Chase. Well, in that case, two of the top pass catchers are gone, three of the top quarterbacks are gone, and the top offensive tackle is gone. So it's kind of it, it, I would I would consider this like a worst case scenario for the Lions. Which again, very I'm, I'm putting that in quotes for people that aren't watching live because it's not a bad scenario. You still no, have Jalen, <laughs> you still have Devontae Smith, you still have Rashawn Slater. But I think those are probably your three top options if you're not going quarterback. And so. Um, you're right. I think most of us have just kind of assumed, well, wide receiver is a big need. Um, you know, Waddle is, is a top in this draft, so go get him. But I think Slater has some value here. And uh, Ryan, I know you've we've talked a little bit about um, Slater and I know
3: you're you're in favor of him. Is seven too early? for? I don't him, think seven is too early for Slater <clears throat> simply because he is one of the top offensive linemen in this draft class. And I think what is really interesting about him is his <clears throat> his versatility. So, I mean, you talk about you talk about Sewell and you talk about playing him on the right side and that's fine. And you talk about, you know, eventually maybe moving him over to the left side to to eventually take over for Taylor Decker. Well, what if what if Vitae isn't necessarily that guy at right guard? What if the Lions want to move on from him? You can plug in Slater to play guard and he will be an elite talent immediately. The question with Slater is whether or not a team is going to give him a shot to be a tackle. I think a team will. Uh, Just because he doesn't have the measurables that most offensive tackles typically do because he's six foot four. So he's a little bit smaller, but right. Yeah. And short arms. But I mean, the guy, he he more than makes up for it with his lower half, like his, his footwork, his base. Everything is very, very clean about Rashawn Slater. I am I'm very much in favor of taking Slater at seven. I would I'm I'm even coming more around on the idea of going offensive line than taking a receiver at seven, because I think that through our mock drafts that we've done on Thursdays and things like that, the wide receivers are still there at 41. So I, I, I think that getting a top tackle, getting either Slater or Sewell, whatever, whatever flavor of ice cream you like, I'm cool with it. But I I really think prioritizing this offensive line and turning it into an elite unit is something that's really going to benefit Jared Goff. The, the one other thing I want to say uh, about Slater,
2: and it's that guard thing, right? It, a lot of people are projecting him to potentially be a guard in the NFL. And if that's the case, well, then you're talking about, ob- obviously, if the Lions take him at seven, I don't think that's their plan for him. But if, if some team's plans are to play this guy at guard, is that worth a seventh overall pick, a guard? Well... You look you've at, seen
1: interior before. I mean, what? Although Frank, Rat, what was Frank Ragnow? He was twenty. A, that's that yeah. Was he was crazy. twenty. That's right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but you look at a guy like Quentin Nelson, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that Rashawn Slater is Quentin Nelson, but I am saying that when you look at PFF's draft guide, his his NFL comparison is Marshall Yonda, and that's one of the greatest guards of all time. True. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be Yonda, but this is the awesome thing about Slater. Is that he can he can play anywhere? He can play anywhere along the offensive line. So you know you need a plug and play somewhere because of injury because of whatever. Slater's that guy. I I'm I, I'm a big fan of him. I
1: totally echo everything you guys say as far as like you want to prioritize your offensive line. Something I I maybe I'm doing knee jerk stuff watching you know Tampa Bay this year, but we've seen enough teams uh, across the league who have prioritized their offensive line, be it the Cowboys from a few years ago, be it the Tennessee Titans, be it the San Francisco 49ers where they, you know, they, they, they may not have the best quarterback and their s- receivers might be whatever. And maybe they've got like one good threat, either as a running back or a tight end, but they've invested in their offensive line. It's good. And again, as I said it before, on another podcast, they can do whatever they want. Like you, you just, when you have a good offensive line, you can go whatever style you want for your offense. It doesn't matter. It like because it you no matter what offense, if you want to do run first, or if you want to pass, then great you want to go up tempo, great. All of those things need an off a, a great offensive line. All of those things benefit from it. It's it's the safe pick. Um yeah. and,
2: and and if you get one now, you're suddenly set up for the next three, four years Dude, at four out of five of those
1: spots. Jackson, Decker, Ragnow, either Slater or Sewell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I talk one more position because uh, I just want to see how you guys feel on it? And again, I know we're coming off doing Okuda. I had mentioned Caleb Fairley on our on some realistic ideas. That was before we got too much details out of Fairley's back injury, and I mean back sur- surgery, and he's basically crashed down pretty low on the boards now, but in his place of risen up, I've seen two names kind of coming around. And I think now the CB one for everyone is Patrick Sertain out of Alabama and not far behind him is another sec corner, JC Horn. Um, do you guys have any interest at all seeing another DB being taken high in the draft for the Detroit lions?
2: I'm not against it um certain is is a an immense talent i think he's going to be great in this league he's, he's got the size he's got the speed um he's, he's done it against good competition um the, i guess there is a question about whether the value is there at seven i think a lot of people view him more in the in the low teens but to me that's that's a little nitpicky um if you're willing to take patrick Sertain at 12 let's say i've seen him at nine for the broncos in some mocks yeah but, yeah. but i mean like the difference between that like is that like, I yes, of course, ideally you trade back and you still get him, but mm. that, it doesn't work like that. Like there's not always a trade down option. So if you like this guy a lot and you take him at seven instead of 12, like that's that's not a disaster by any sort of means. So it. I, I don't know if he's worth the, the seventh overall pick, but I'm I'm open to it. I'm open to a lot of things, um, given that the Lions have so many needs. Um And I, I certainly think cornerback is a need in terms of the long term. Not I'm not burying jeff okuda at this point i, I think he's definitely you need two you need at least two simple. you need at least two and they don't necessarily ha- i mean they don't have anyone for sure in the future um i think they will have okuda oruari is the other pick and I, I don't think we need to hear another podcast of me doubting oruari's future but <laughs> I, I
1: do yeah um and, and I, I think someone in our Twitch chat just pointed this out, too, but like J.C. Horn, uh, from people I've talked to, J.C. Horn is not far behind certain. I don't want to bury Horn at all, but maybe that's something we talk about when we talk some of our trade back scenarios, because if you're just trading back to the teens, maybe one of those two guys is there. But I think that's to your point, Jeremy, about the value at seven. Uh, Brian, I, go ahead. I know you got a point here.
3: Well, I, I think... You you take a look at what the Lions did last year. They drafted Okuda at three. I don't think that necessarily takes cornerback off the board at seven because if the board falls that way and your top player available is a cornerback, you take them. It's it it'll just be an interesting choice from the standpoint that the Lions seemingly have their top two corner set with Oruwari and Jeff Okuda, and we we saw how difficult a transition it is for cornerbacks in their first year to play. So that cornerback, whoever you take, whether it's Horn or Sertain or Asante Samuel, even later in the draft, like there's a there's a ceiling that it's going to be tough for that guy to find a lot of playing time just because you went out and you got Cornell there. And um, there's some veterans that will be playing ahead of them. Um, And I'm not saying that those players won't eventually surpass those players. They might. I mean, if, if you draft a guy like Sertain or you draft a guy like Horn, maybe by, you know, midway through the season. Uh, yeah, you know, all the way through the season, there, there's an opportunity that those guys, you know, uh, usurp them at the top of the depth chart. But I, it it would just seem like a strange pick in terms of getting immediate production um, from, from a guy at seven.
1: That's right. All right, we got a few minutes here, so let's real quick get to our first scenario. And that is what we've been talking about for a few weeks now, standing pat at seven. I'm not going to devote a ton of time to it because I feel like we've beaten seven to death, but with any new information here, how are you still looking at the how are you looking at the seventh overall pick right now, Jeremy? What, like, what scenarios are you seeing as we enter these new names like Sertain and Slater into the mix?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it, it's still so wide open that I just I don't know where to go. I, I'll, I'll list the nine guys that, that we kind of labeled as realistic picks for the Lions with the seventh overall pick. Justin Fields. Trey Lance. Those are, I think maybe the two, I, I'm not even putting Mac Jones on the list. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Okay. Um, okay. You, if, if you want to make it an even 10, throw him in there as well. Um, we're just not clear where those three out of the five quarterbacks are going. Um, Jamar chase. Uh, unlikely he falls the lines, but certainly a chance. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Micah Parsons. Those yeah, are I'm ha- my nine slash ten of, of realistic options. Is, is there one that, that maybe I'm missing or maybe that you don't even agree it belongs on the list?
1: Micah Parsons, but I think I might be injecting some personal matters into that.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Micah Parsons fall. It feels like. I mean, I mean, just like flashback <laughs> to two months ago where everyone was talking about Micah Parsons as the best defensive player in the draft, as a, a very high potential pick for the lions with the seventh overall pick, where has that hype train gone? And no, what, I, that, that might not be anything that might just be, I mean, the media is the media, right? Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily reflect reflect reality, but I, I do feel like there's been a lot of wind out of those sales and whether it's off the field issues or there are certainly on field questions to his, his game as well. Um, I feel like he's fallen out of the discussion almost completely.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I think between the fact that he's off ball, um and again i just over i can't overlook character issues has been like the flashpoint word of this draft and they see they seem to be applying to everyone and i was i was talking with someone how much i hate the term character issue cuz it's so flattening that rumors of justin fields not being the first guy to a tape session is a character issue which allows it to be in the same category as Micah parson's uh, simulating sexual assault on someone allegedly like character issues is a terrible word, and I think it's it's muddy the conversation. But I mean, Micah Parsons benefits from that muddying. So,
3: I I, I think the nine names that you listed off, Jeremy, are pretty accurate in terms of it's one of those guys is going to be there, right? Yeah. Um, now, personally, I've come around to this idea that, and everybody knows that I am Kyle Pitts' number one fan, and that cannot be disputed. <laughs> With that being said. I'm starting to look at this number seven pick in interestingly, in a very similar way as Bob Quinn in his very first draft when he took Taylor Decker. There were some other options that were available to Bob Quinn, but he took a very high floor player. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think that it would be a safe pick and it would also be almost the right pick. Do you know what I mean? Like taking taking an offensive lineman, whether it's Slater or it's Sewell, that really sets up your offensive line for success with with Decker under contract. You know, they're going to pay Frank Ragnow. He's not going to go anywhere. You got Jonah Jackson on a rookie deal. You, you plug in Sewell or Slater. You're setting up Jared Goff or whatever quarterback you want to plug in there over the next you know three, four years for success because he's gotten. Yes, I'll say it right now. You put or Slater on that offensive line. Lions have a top five offensive line in the NFL.
1: I mean, just look at Burrow, like how Burrow is struggling without an offensive line right now in Cincinnati. That's not going to happen in Detroit if you invest in that offensive line, period.
3: And, and, and let's not discount the fact that they got a guy like TJ Hawkinson and Josh Hill. Like those yes. guys are both competent blockers, too. I mean, you are doing yourself a great service by by establish, And it, it's not one of those dumb things where it's like build from the trenches build because we know the NFL has changed over time. That's why we're entertaining the idea of guys like Sertain or even wide receivers. We're talking about guys who play outside the boundaries because that's where the NFL lives nowadays. But it just it seems like it is such a safe pick. And I don't want to say that in a um, in a you know, in a derogatory sense like it's a bad pick it has a high
1: ceiling it has a high it has a high return on investment and the risk of it bombing out is not great either like I mean I mean when I say not great it's it's not like it's going to be a flop completely
3: like it's not it's not similar in the sense to when the Rams took Greg Robinson like I Mm -hmm. think Greg Robinson was a little bit more of a project like Sewell and Slater these guys have like they have some tape out there that Makes them look very, very good. They're ready it's, to go it, right now. It's yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah. We're we're nearing a, a kind of debate that Bengals fans are already going through. And Robert Mays had a really interesting article on this on the Athletic. It's offensive line or wide receiver. Do you get your weapon, or do you get an offensive line so that your quarterback can hit whatever weapon? And it, it, you, if you read the article, it certainly seems to slant towards offensive line because one, offensive linemen hit more in the first round. They're more they're more likely to stick around with your team um in in terms of you know uh for for their entire rookie contract wide receivers you tend to be able to get some good ones in all drafts really like if you look at the history of the wide receivers the top ones that go are rarely the best Mm -hmm. and you get a guy like kenny Galladay in the third round you can also get wide receivers in free agency i don't think i need to point to any offseason other than the one we're currently in where you can get a lot of really good wide receivers in free agency. How how right. often can you get a, a top tier left tackle or a top tier right tackle in free agency?
1: Yeah, usually if they're at if they're yeah. in free agency like that, they, it Never usually is. they have some flaws or they're they've got some injury history. Right. But yeah, good teams hold on to their I mean, good teams. I have to exclude the Raiders from this conversation here for a second, <laughs> but good teams hold on to their best offensive linemen because they know like all those examples I gave earlier, Cowboys, 49ers, Titans. Those aren't to Ryan's point. Those aren't like we're not being Neanderthals here. Those are all recent examples of teams that have prioritized their offensive line and found success, no matter what they are doing on on offense. No matter yep. like Kyle Shanahan's system, uh, you know Derek Henry in Tennessee, uh, what you know the Cowboys were doing with Zeke and and Dak. Like all three, completely different systems. All three found success.
2: Yeah. And, and the last point I want to make on the wide receiver offensive line thing is um, with wide receivers, you can you can replace. Let's say you don't have a, a big number one guy. Well, if you have a running back who can catch out of the backfield, you have a tight end who can catch, you know, out, out of line. You can replace that production with other players. How can you replace the production of, of no of a crappy right tackle? You, you get a tight end to come in and chip, I guess. Maybe the answer is you, you really can't. No, you're you screw All right.
1: And with that, I feel like now we can start talking about the more fun scenarios. Jeremy, at least this is my this is my soothe to Jeremy. Jeremy doesn't like the draft, but he does when I say the words trade down. It's like a Pavlovian It's like a Pavlovian really? response. Yeah. He is leaning back in his chair, his arms are at the, mouth. the His arms are reaching to the sky. The mustache is twirling <laughs> on his on his lip. So we're gonna take a break. Let Jeremy calm down. When we come back. It's trade downtime to talk on the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we begin trade scenarios on day one. Brown. 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 So we're going to divide this in two different ways because the, the, the what?
2: I don't know what that
1: noise was. It's, it's the, uh, it's the uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, okay. noise. Well,
3: yeah. Braum. It's the ominous swelling you know i think yeah. what we need to do is we need to let everybody know that we were off air on twitch for like 35 minutes so that's why and that we're all transition came back yeah. we
1: are all insane right now between <laughs> talking about julian edelman talking about nfl europe talking about all of the money twitch throws at at uh, jeremy uh, to month. keep his that's mustache my- <laughs> yeah talking <laughs> about the broncos trade that was just wretched and awful Those are all things you can catch if you are watching us live on Twitch. But we also encourage you to download the podcast because that's the main way we keep our lights on here. I feel like sometimes we 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 have to juggle these things still. too. (laughs) anyway, we're about a minute into the segment. Braun, let's talk about trade down scenarios because we have two on this podcast because it is 32 teams in the first round, in case you didn't know. And there's a lot of difference between the Lions trading down to, say, the back third of the draft to somewhere just above the middle. And I feel like, Jeremy, just to start, I want to start with the latter scenario, because I feel like if we're looking at teams, you got to think about who wants to trade with the Lions, right? It's not just anyone. Like, the Giants aren't going to be like, all right, we just want to trade with you guys because... Uh, I think there's two, maybe three likely teams. Um, so where do you want to start? Because I know we, we talked about the names here. You can pick any of them that, uh, that we've talked about. It's like maybe who you can start to trade with, because that'll set us up on where we're looking at for players.
2: Let, let, let's start with the, the baby step, I'll call it. Baby and steps, yeah. The baby step to Denver. So just you're, you're trading back to nine. That's Denver a really long baby step. <laughs> Denver made a, a hilariously bad offer for Matthew Stafford. Maybe they'll make a better offer for, you know, a rookie quarterback in this year's draft. I do think it's interesting and it maybe speaks to their continued faith with what they have in Denver that they didn't offer that much for Matthew Stafford. Or maybe they just didn't believe in Matthew Stafford. But let, let's just say Denver, they get a little itchy fingered when, when the lines are on the clock at seven. There's a good quarterback on the board, whether it's Justin Fields or... Trey Lance, or maybe they like Mac Jones or whatever. They trade back two spots to nine with Denver. Now, in terms of the value of that, what the Lions could get in return, it's not a ton. It's probably like a third rounder. So, I mean, that's that's not nothing. That's a potential starter. Um, And to get that and not lose out on many players um, to pick, I think that's almost an ideal scenario, really. Um, The question is whether Denver would do it. Whether... Denver would really feel the need to jump Carolina who doesn't need a quarterback anymore. Um, they they would really be jumping other teams that would be looking to jump, right? Like that's like maybe new England at 15, which is another team we'll talk about trading back all the way to 15. Maybe new England comes calling and Detroit's like, well, Denver, if you want a quarterback, you better call us now and give us a better deal than new England's got on the table. And there's other teams
1: with the for sale sign up right now. Like, I don't know if Miami will trade back again, it's not outside the realm of possibility in my mind, but now that Carolina has a quarter picked up a quarterback in Sam Darnold, like maybe they double up on quarterbacks, but I feel like the for sale sign is up for the number eight pick too. Sure. So like there's, and who who knows if, you know what the Falcon, what the Falcons do too. So there's a lot of pressure on Denver to find a dance partner.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think for me personally, the most interesting trade scenario is Washington at 19. Taking us and, all the way
2: down. All right.
3: Yeah, I, I we can talk about, you know, move, still in the teens. Yeah, we, yeah. we can talk about moving back a little bit, but I think realistically, like you have one of these teams like Washington, like Denver. I, th- I, I feel like Denver is a little bit further away, right? Like Washington has a defense. Their defense got them to the playoffs in a terrible NFC East. I don't think the NFC East has really improved all that much this offseason. I mean, it's, no. it's, it's truly a division that's in flux. So if Washington says, hey, we have this defensive line, that's great. Let, let's go out and get a quarterback, even though they picked up Fitzpatrick, right? They got Fitzmagic. But again, by the same token, maybe Trey Lance is there. Maybe Justin Fields is there. There is an offer that was on Twitter the other day that some Lions fans poo-pooed on, but I was I was a fan of it. It was the 19th pick, the 51st overall pick, so yep. Washington's first and second round picks, yep. and then Washington's 2022 first round pick and their 2022 third round pick. I mean, <laughs> yeah, moving moving from 7 to 19 is a huge leap back. And I think that, to be honest, I think it's like a day three pick away from being like a really attractive offer. But in summation, I think when, when we're talking about trading back, We're talking about the Lions continuing to do the rebuild the right way and continuing to pick up draft assets, accumulate draft capital and really just have we say it all the time, but have as many darts to throw at the board as possible. I think that's what is most important in in any tradeback scenario is that the Lions just accumulate as much draft capital as possible, whether it's this draft or it's the next draft, because we all know that this ship isn't being righted after just one draft. And especially with as as few draft picks as the Lions have in this draft right now, as it stands. Yeah, and the the offer that you put out there,
2: at the very least, like if you go in just strictly by the numbers, Washington would have to give up um not only the nineteenth pick, but their second and third round pick this year. Mm-hmm. And you have to imagine they're probably not willing to give up all those picks this year if they're gonna make a big splash like Lance. So yeah, maybe they dip into those next year's and, and pick up a little bit extra than just a second and third. And I, I think maybe that's actually a realistic um kind of compensation for the Lions and and not one I wouldn't shake my stick at, which then I mean we can jump right into the conversation there. Let's say the Lions well, accept Okay go, ahead, okay, go ahead. No, no,
1: oh. I was just gonna throw one more team in there because we did talk a little bit of the Patriots. I feel like the Patriots yeah. are like a good in between spot between these two yep. scenarios. Like I can maybe see the Cowboys come calling too, depending if you believe these reports that Jerry Jones is very strong feeling for for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, uh, I know. Tear line, dork. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, yeah, there's only one room in this pit, in pit stop uh, for one car, but. If I mean, if Pitts is there at seven and they're offering you a castle for at for 10 so they can get Pitts like. It's hard to turn down, but I feel like because there's a lot that New England could do by trading up and there's a lot of pieces they need. And they've been aggressive this offseason, be it in the free agency, uh, in acquiring new pieces, because I think they realize like they do need to get the ship back on track. And if there is a quarterback at seven that they like, and if uh, the Patriots come calling, I mean, I feel like 15 is a really good spot when we start talking about some of these names here in a second.
3: I think 15 is a really good spot if you want to start targeting defensive prospects because I feel like that's when a lot
1: of the edge will come off Mm -hmm. the board, like Rousseau and, um, and Zavine Collins. JOK. Yeah. JOK. Yeah. The
2: the one thing I I, want to say before we get into some, some more names is the trade compensation is extremely simple. If you go with, with new England, if you go by the trade chart, their second round pick is almost exactly the compensation that's necessary. So it's not a huge haul, but you're talking about a mid-round second, pick, second round pick. And so then the Lions will have one first round pick, two second round picks, two third round picks, and you're talking
3: about five picks in the top 100. That's not too bad. It's not too bad. I, personally, for me, I think moving to 15 or moving to 19 is just, it's, it's too much. Like, it's too much for me personally, because I think once you take yourself out of the running for either Sewell or Slater, or you take yourself out of the running for Jamar Chase or Waddle or Smith, like once you get to 15 or 19, I think all those names are gone. So then all of a sudden, now you're now you're picking up a defensive prospect. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying personally, I would be disappointed because the Lions have the opportunity to finally plant the flag in the offensive line and be like, this is our unit. This is what Mm -hmm. we got, you know? and. Really, personally, for me, I think if moving back to 10, like with the Cowboys, like how, you know, Chris just suggested. If if they're still at the point where Sewell and Slater are are still there at seven and and the Cowboys are moving up to take a, a skill position player, maybe I'd roll the dice on that. But I'm just I'm I'm becoming completely enamored with the idea of the Lions finally putting their stamp on on this offensive line. I can see
1: Slater still there at 10. I think it's, it's going to entirely depend on what, how the dice you talk about is basically going to be, A, who, who are the Cowboys moving up to get? And in our scenario, it's a skill position. But then you look at 8 and 9, right? And I think we can lock in the, Cow, the, the, the Broncos to either trying to get a quarterback or probably getting something to shore up the defense. Um, eight's the wild card. Eight's the wild card, but I could, I don't think Sewell will last until 10, but I could see scenarios where Slater is there at 10 and that For would sure. be the ideal situation.
3: I mean, you might see a situation or a scenario play out where, where Slater lasts a little bit longer because teams view him as a guard more than a tackle mm-hmm. and you might run into that situation that we talked about in the, uh, in the first segment, but what do you got, Jeremy?
2: Well, I mean, the, the, there's a guy that could be available right in the middle of the, the first round that fits that offensive line need that's not Slater, that's not Penny Sewell. It's Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. I think that's right around the range in which, you know, he could potentially go. I think he's like 16, 17 on PFF sport. He's right around there on Brugler's board as well. Played left tackle his entire career there. So, you know, the, the, the Virginia Tech Hokies trusted him for the blind side and, you know, 95.6 grade from PFF last year. Guy has a lot of talent and he only got better every single year. Um, you know, I, I think maybe <clears throat> six, five, 3, three uh, fourteen. So he's got some of the size that, that some of the, you know, Slater is missing at six, three. So, I, I mean, I think options are still there. It, it's there. There is a gap between um, I think those top two and him, but it's not huge.
3: Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say tier one Slater and Sewell tier two. Then all of a sudden that's, that's like the start of where like Darisaw kind of like sets the, you know, sets the tier there at, at tier two, because I will say the one thing that the PFF draft guy does mention is, you know, it was a very run heavy yeah. offense that Virginia Tech runs. So, I mean, you're not getting a whole lot of film on him where he's being left on an island True. with a premier pass rusher like you know, everybody raves about Rashawn Slater versus Chase Young in 2019, where, you know, he went punch for punch with him. So um, I, I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it, but it will feel me, like a little bit of a letdown. Because it's like you you might get Sewell. You might get Slater at seven.
1: So let me throw another name at you, Ryan, though, because uh, I feel like this guy could be there at 15 and still probably figures out what you want. He probably he he does both tackle and guard. He's more on the guard side, though, and I'm going to go back to my new alma mater with USC with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who I know mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm reading the PFF grades right now. But, you know, you uh, he, he scores, I think, an 87 for pass block grade coming out uh, like I from where I've seen him mocked. We're talking Elijah Vera Tucker territory. If you're looking at like 15, maybe 19 uh, in this draft, would you be happy with someone like that?
3: Yeah, I I wouldn't hate it. I mean, you're looking at a guy who is probably playing on the interior, right? Like he's probably playing guard. He he might not mm-hmm. get a chance playing um, offensive tackle. But I mean, he is a guy who played, like you said, left tackle exclusively in 2020, played left guard in 2019, played right guard in, in 2018. So he's played all along the offensive line. Doesn't have the tape that Slater has. But if you're sliding back that far in the draft, I think maybe that's a guy that you could consider for sure. But the, the Lions have almost they've they've tipped their hand, right? By saying mm-hmm. Vitae is going to be the right guard. So it seems like the Lions need a right tackle. Yes. Yeah.
1: So. But again, like a guy like Tucker or some of these second second tier guys we're talking about, like, I mean, or even Slater seem to have the ability to do both. It's just a matter of where are you most comfortable putting them right now, mm-hmm. or at least until un- until you figure it out Vitae and then you probably move the, him wherever
2: you want to put him yeah so what what about someone like the defensive guys let's let's talk about the defensive guys because yeah you guys especially mentioned it. like this is where the sweet spot it seems like uh in terms of taking the top guys because not not a lot of people are predicting any of the top any really defensive players in the top 10 necessarily so who who like let's say the lines go to the patriots at 15 who's a guy that you're like Get mm. this is this is the time
1: see there are some guys who opted out like i love gregory rousseau but i also understand he opted out for 2020 and that might just be held against him and kind of a kind of a question of what exactly you are getting in rousseau but i mean we mentioned quiddy pay earlier there there's so many different names at edge that you could go to um hell even still out of miami jalen phillips yep <clears> around too like there's there are at least four guys i've seen mocked in kind of the middle of the first round when it comes to edge. And that's like Collins, Phillips, uh Pay, Rousseau. I've even seen some people talk about Aziz. O- Let me try Oju-Lari. to get this name. O- Ojulari. Yes, out of Georgia, who yep. I know he's just like a sophomore coming out, but he's a
2: big man. Yeah, I mean, or like like I said before, I mean, linebacker the linebacker is a yeah, like, huge need if it maybe it's more palatable to take Micah Parsons in here maybe Jeremiah owusu is your guy I J-O-K know a lot of is my, love. Love uh, J-O-K is my love, love if you, him my if, love
1: if you've been following me every time I'm in for the mock drafts I'm pounding the board saying O K, O K. like he's fantastic I feel like he fits both the pass rush needs for the Lions while also helping to shore up that god-awful unit right now like But I almost feel like Jok. I don't his draft stock is I've seen him mocked as late as like near the end of the first round, but I think his stock is higher than that.
3: Yeah, my name that I keep coming back to is Christian Barmore. And I know we talked about it on the Locker Room podcast. And, you know, Eric, Eric made a good point about it seems like it's a little bit redundant because he would serve in a role very similar to Michael Brockers. But I can also see uh I can see a future where Michael Brockers doesn't stick around for very long in Detroit. So, I mean, it it comes back to the very essence of this draft, right, Jeremy? Is that the Lions approach in free agency, all of their acquisitions are short-term. There's nothing very long-term about this team right now. So, I, 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 I couldn't get too upset about the idea of a guy who literally fits the mold of exactly what they want from a defensive lineman. I mean, this guy... He's huge. He's 6'4" 310. His pass rush grade was 91.5. I mean, this guy he, in in the college football playoff, 12 pressures and 8 stops. I mean, like when when the spotlight was its brightest and it's biggest, Barmore shined. And I I I just I love the idea of um a, a big guy to solidify for a you know, for a long time, uh, a pass rushing guy along the interior, because when was the last time Lions had anything like that?
2: And I'm consumed. Yeah. Um Yeah, Nick Fairley. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not against this idea. I mean, defensive tackle, you, you can argue about value here mid mid first round. But if he's a guy that, that can be, you know, that good, even if he had like a Michael Brockers type of ceiling, if he hits that ceiling might be worth it. And who better to learn how to be Michael Brockers than Michael Brockers, um, you know, I, I think he would be a perfect guy to help develop a young player. He's a high character guy. He's he's already, you know, said to the media that, you know, he understands his role as kind of a mentor as a leader. Um, you know, I, I think I think there are only a handful of guys that you'd rather have as a mentor than than him. And to have your first round pick, have that kind of, you know, built in.
3: You, ladder to to success like yeah i get it well this was the exact same conversation that and i mean i shouldn't say the exact same conversation but it shades of 2014 when the lions had things situated and well they had fairly as like an insurance policy but they weren't picking up his fifth year option and they had sue well let's pass on aaron donald and let's take eric ebron you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things where, like, it's nice to have a contingency plan, especially right. for a team that literally doesn't have a contingency plan at almost any position.
2: <laughs> you hear to hear first Christian Darisaw is the next Aaron Donald, according to Ryan Matthews. Wow. Well, very
3: I hot, would be- very spicy. I would be shocked if Christian Derisaw made the switch from offensive tackle to defensive oh, crap. tackle. Crap!
1: What's his, shoot? I got the wrong name. Oh man, adequacy don't here on the Flex on me, like Pride of don't like flex on me. Yeah, how
3: dare you? All right, let's take a
1: break. Let's talk up. about i. I don't know how much you guys are vibing with the idea of going all the way back past twenty.
0: I'm already seeing some
1: heads shaking, but we'll we'll maybe shoot it down and maybe talk some more names that we haven't as we continue along with the Pride of Detroit PODcast. cast, wrapping up the shop here next. Wrapping up shop here on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Myself, Chris Fett, with Jeremy Reisman, with Ryan Matthews. Uh, I don't think we're going to go as long on this one because I can tell already from how we've been talking, you guys are not up on... you. Uh, a trade back to after 20 would be less than ideal in your guys' minds. Am, am I right, Jeremy? There's, I think there there could be some guys there still after 20, like Rousseau, maybe some of these edge that edge guys you're talking about you know maybe you see jok fall that far i really doubt it but it it turns into it starts to turn into projects after 20
2: well yeah it's it's that and it's just like i feel like we're we're driving more and more into fantasy land here Uh, the Mm -hmm. the draft capital required to move up from let's say I don't know who's who's a quarterback like Pittsburgh. Let's say Pittsburgh is looking to get someone to be Ben Roethlisberger's. Maybe the Saints, maybe the Saints at twenty maybe, maybe the Saints. I mean, say, I mean, you're talking about a ridiculous amount of draft capital. You're talking about multiple first round picks at this point or like a second second round pick this year, a first and a second next year. It's a, it's going to cost a team a bundle to get up to D- Detroit. Are lines open to doing something like that? Maybe. Um, the question is whether a team like New Orleans, I don't think a team like New Orleans, that would be smart for a team like New Orleans. They're not, they're, they're on a verge of a potential rebuild given all the cap issues they're, they're facing. Um, Yeah. And I I think too, like not to just turn these into poker pieces too,
1: but I mean, poker chips too, but like you still need someone to come out of the draft that can play and the lions need immediate need for players right now. So moving back, I mean, that's why I kind of look at the players first here, because like, yeah, maybe someone could give you a massive haul if they're trading back that far. But it, it's basically devaluing what you can do with that first round draft pick at the end of the day. Because like, we're talking about guys, even in the 15s, who are like, all right, you can come in and play right now, be it Rashawn Slater or Elijah Vera Tucker, one of these edge guys, um, JOK. I don't think
2: you're going to get that at like 23. Maybe, maybe not, but I'm, I'm not like philosophically. I'm still not that against into trading back into the twenties. We, 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 we say it all the time. Like this is all just about lottery scratchers, get as many Mm -hmm. as you can. And, and that's even true. I mean, it's obviously less true of top 10 picks, but if you're talking fit, like the, the hit rate of 15 versus 25, is it really going to be all that different? I don't, I don't think it is necessarily, honestly. And so if I can get an extra first and second round pick of it, sure. Is it going to happen though? I just, you don't see those kind of trades, Mm -hmm. those huge kind of trades very often. They happen every five, 10 years or so, but like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the Lions finding a partner in someone like Pittsburgh or New Orleans because it it would require a bounty. And I don't think those teams are in positions to pay bounties.
1: The Saints are always in a position to pay bounties. Yeah.
3: yeah, I got. What do you? What do you got, Ryan? What do you want me to add to this right now? Do we want to start talking players or what? <clears throat> Jump into whatever you want to talk about, buddy. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some of the guys that might be there, like at the end of the first round. Maybe these are even guys who might spill over into the top of the second round, where the Lions have a pick at forty-one. So I mean, sure. either is really applicable here. So if the Lions were to trade back to the end of the first round or you're looking at their second round pick at 41. These are the guys that I think make a lot of sense. Richie Grant is a guy I know we're really high on um, in terms of safety. Uh, Elijah Molden, a guy who, you know, almost exclusively played nickel corner, which no surprise, the Lions are hard up for one um, outside of Cornell, who they have for one season. But Elijah Molden could potentially be a plug and play guy um, who Damn. could be NFL ready from the jump. Talking about maybe some some of the linebackers, right? Like, uh, like Jamin Davis or Jabril Cox. Um, if, if you're moving, yeah, yeah. If you're moving back that far, those are the guys that might be available. Now, the other interesting thing is, if the Lions move that far back, all of a sudden, now you're talking about the tier two wide receivers that a lot of people are still hyping up as you know first round picks that could potentially like be the, Rondale like, Moore, Rondale yeah. Moore, Elijah Moore. Um, you know, there, there are quite a few players, uh, Tony from, from Florida, everybody's second favorite skill position player from Florida. Rashad um, Bateman is ball's for yeah. Rashad Bateman could definitely, I mean, I, I view him as definitely being the top of tier two in terms of wide receivers. Once you get past, you know, Jamar chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. But yeah, I ultimately here's what happens for the lions at the end of the first round or at the you know, top of the second round when they're picking at 41, I think while at seven or even if they slide back a little bit, maybe they slide back to seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 or 15. Like really any position is on the board. I think like once the second round comes around, the Lions are probably looking for a guy who fits. Now, again, there's tons of positions to fit for the Lions, but I think maybe they start honing in on, you know, positional value where it's like, all right, you know, now it's time to take the top safety off the board. Or now it's time to, to grab a linebacker. Um, that makes a lot of sense because the Lions have a big need at that position. So or
1: now let's, you know, we, we prioritize the offensive line in the first round. Now let's get a wide receiver to complement it. hmm.
3: Yeah. So and I, I don't know, Jeremy, what do you think about the what do you think about the potential of the Lions double dipping? Like, say they take a receiver at seven, say they get mm-hmm. Jamar Chase or say they get sure. Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddell. What do you think about the opportunity that if Elijah Moore is there in the second round, that the first two picks the Lions make are both at wide receiver. Does that make you a happy man or a sad man?
2: I, I'd be a little weary of that. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily excite me. Um, I, 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 I mean the, the optics of it. I mean, it's still a lot of jerseys. You get two skill position players, two guys in, in the top five or top 10 of their position in the drafting first two picks, I mean, I can see how that, that can be, you know, spun as a win, but given that this team has so many needs and I, I get that wide receiver is a huge need, both in the immediate and the future. Um, I'm not sure about using your two most valuable draft resources on that position specifically though. Um, I think, I think it can be used better. And, and we, we constantly talk about the depth in, in this team's draft or in this year's draft at the wide receiver position and, you know, we've gone through a bunch of mocks on our, on our Thursday mock show, and you can get talented guys in the third and fourth round and to spend all of your top two draft capital on wide receivers. That would scare me a little bit. That doesn't seem like wise use of of resources, especially in this year's draft.
1: No. And especially with all the holes, the lions have to fill right now. I think something we figured out on our mock draft is like, you know, we there, there's so many different positions of need for Detroit that you, it almost feels like you're kind of doing triage at the top. So the idea of doubling down on a position, because when we were doing it, we were like hitting. This is kind of the flip side of the coin there, because we would hit like, you know, let's hit defense now. Let's hit. um You know, an offensive lineman as much as possible, but then you'd get. Suddenly you're in the third round and it's like, okay, now we want a wide receiver, but now they're all off the board or flip that around. We get the wide receiver, but then it's time to go and dip for a linebacker. And, you know, men, maybe in some of those mocks, we kept picking Benjamin St. Juiced, but uh, for some reason he kept lasting a lot longer than I think Benjamin St. Juiced is going to last. So, yeah, but those- it just, it just showed the problems of trying to get, you know, three starters for three different positions.
2: Right. I mean, yeah. The, and listen, it, it is the Lions goal in this draft to literally fill every need that they have immediately you know, every immediate need that they have. I mean, not really. I mean, it'd be nice, but realistically one, they can't do it with just six picks Mm 2 they're going to be weak in some areas. They're not going to be able to fill and they're going to have to either grab some undrafted rookies or they're going to have to hit, you know, the third and fourth stage of free agency and get some guys. Um, because, the, I mean, you don't draft for immediate need. That's just not how you build a team. Certainly not at the phase in in which the lines are currently at. They're not in an opportunity at a, at a place where they just need to draft for 2021. No, you're drafting for years down the line. So, um, you know, uh, getting two wide receivers is, is only setting that back, I think.
3: Yeah. At least early. It, uh, it, here's the interesting thing, right, too, Jeremy, is that The Lions could potentially be drafting for immediate need and for long term when it when, you know, the Lions reach the second round because they need a safety. I mean, I know they signed Dean Marlowe, but I mean, they could be looking for a guy who is an immediate upgrade right there. Dean Marlowe could be a special teamer and a a depth player. Um, He could be rotational. So that's that's where things get. Uh, that that's that's where things get really interesting for the lions is that they're they're drafting for the future, but at the same time they're also drafting for immediate need needs in a lot of places yeah, you
1: still have to put a team out there for twenty twenty one so you want some mm-hmm. serviceable guys out there that aren't just going to get thrown to the wolves but yeah you're right, and that too like with that I think we all think the lions would be back could be back in the top ten by this time next year as well true hopefully the rams are in the top ten. That would be great too. That'd be fantastic. Doubling up, just bang, bang.
3: Matthew, Matthew Stafford said, throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. The Rams, know, he's in three games.
1: He's just, it, pad Stafford. <laughs> Rooting for that, huh? <laughs> I'm okay with it.
3: Yeah, all yeah, the individual no. success in the world, <laughs> all the
1: individual success, all the numbers, all the fantasy Madden points you want in the world. You know what? Maybe it's the defaults uh, about the defense's fault that year, this year. Maybe the yeah. Rams just give up like 100
3: points every game. Maybe they just want to move on from Aaron Donald after the season.
2: <laughs> sure.
3: I, I, I know a
2: team that has interest in him. Mm. My my so, inside source to say, OK, it's 31 teams.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? Aaron Donald's going to go and uh, host Jeopardy. <laughs> have we gone right. off the rails completely here yeah Probably. we're done hey can i make All some right. can i make some
2: show announcements for the podcast yes, listeners? let's
1: do it hey podcast listeners listen up we have if you're listening to this before the middle of the week we have some big stuff coming
2: jeremy yeah, take and away. I'm, I'm just gonna spoil it like uh normally i don't like to announce uh guest host or guest guests ahead of time but i've i'm pretty sure this is confirmed at this point wednesday 3 p.m. Eastern, we are doing another fan Q&A live with running back Jamal Williams. New Detroit Lions running back Jamal Williams will be here live on our Twitch and YouTube channels, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, youtube.com slash C slash pride of Detroit. He will be here. We will be answering questions. Um, Chris is so excited to ask him some weeby questions. Real weeb hours here. uh, Are you kidding me? Are you Um, kidding me? Yeah. And so that's going to be fun. And then we're also going to do a regular first bite. I'm not going to spoil the guests on that first, but this week we're going to have someone talk to us about the offensive players in the draft. So we're going to get deep into the prospects. Then next week, we're going to bring another draft expert in to talk about the defense on first bite. So we are going to be chock full of podcasts over the next two weeks as we get you ready for the draft.
1: If you're not subscribed yet, you need to be because we're just going to be filling your ear holes with all of this content, man like every other angle we can. And I really encourage you guys, we've been telling our Twitch chats during a break, you want to be watching us live during the draft. Put us on Twitch, put them on like a laptop. You've got, you know, the NFL network up or ESPN if you want to watch Mel Kuyper lose his hair. But, you know, if you've got a laptop, you've got a phone, watch us live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. It's our biggest live stream of the year. It was last year. We had, I think, Jeremy, like 1,500 people watching us peak. Um, really a lot more like than that it, for yeah. the full, a lot that more than that for the full broadcast. But like that was our peak, uh, view all simultaneous viewers at one point, right. um, which is insane. People want to see what happens, and that was with the Lions picking at three. Lions are picking at seven unless they trade back. But we'll be with you for the entire first round and uh it's it's a celebration we're going to have it on the podcast but if you listen to that podcast you know what a celebration it is because everyone from Pride to Detroit shows up it's really it's the uh it's the celebration of the year because you know lions aren't usually in the playoffs so we just have fun with the uh, the other way you win which is the draft so <laughs> any other notes we need to get to before we get out of here i don't think so take us away all right Follow him, the fearless mustache, on Twitter at Detroit Online. That's Jeremy Reisman. Ryan Matthews, the rock god, at Ryan underscore P O D, where he stays winning on all of his gambling tickets. He only shows the winners. He only shows the winners, but guess what? They're all winners.
3: This is how he
1: This is how he wins. Yes. Uh, I need to come up with an uncut gems nickname for you next. Um, actually, that might have to become your drop now, to be honest. And for myself, Find me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, uh, where I kind of mumble a little bit. And as always, we're going to have some fun, guys. This is the best time of year. So stick with us. Go Lions. We'll see you next time on the Pride of Detroit cast. <laughs>